The important thing to realize about people in blue zones is they, they don't have any genetic superiority. Their bodies have the same capacity that our bodies do. The reason they're living a long time is because they are avoiding the diseases that foreshorten our lives. Okinawa, women there suffer about one-sixth the rate of breast cancer that we do in the United States, about a fifth the rate of heart disease. In Ikaria, Greece, they have about one-tenth the rate of dementia we have here. So it's pretty clear that the path to this longer life is through less disease, which at the end of the day is what we all want. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries around the world. You know, there are some fantastic exam roomies listening in Ecuador, Finland, Nepal, and everywhere in between. And we appreciate you all helping us make the world a healthier place. This is episode 98 of season four, number 293 overall. If you were born in the U.S., you can expect to live to be about 76 if you're a man and to 81 if you're a woman. But there are countries in the world where people are living much, much longer. Take Japan, for instance. Men there are outliving their U.S. counterparts by five years and women by six. And they're not the only country outliving the U.S. In Italy and Australia, the average life expectancy for all adults is 83. And it's a little longer still in Spain and Singapore, South Korea, Switzerland. In fact, there are 39 other countries living longer than the United States. So what do they know that we don't? That is what we will be finding out today. Longevity expert and best-selling author, founder of the Blue Zones, Dan Butner is here to answer the question, what do I need to do to have a few more trips around the sun? And possibly even more than a few. Now, of course, not every city in those countries is living long and healthy. So we want to really hyper-focus on the regions where people are living to the ripe old age of 100 more frequently than any other place in the world. And those, my friends, are known as the Blue Zones. If you know Dan, you know that he has devoted his life to studying these regions and cracking their code, trying to figure out what is their fountain of youth. It's also something that he has written extensively about, including in his most recent book, The Blue Zones Challenge. And this one gives you all the tools that you need to kickstart a longer and healthier life within just four weeks. Notice I said, and healthier. Because as you will hear, it's not just about the quantity of years, it's about the quality of them. And what marvels me is that these, these centenarians in the blue zones, the extra time that they have is not being spent on a sickbed waiting for their number to be called. No, no. That time is still being spent living life to the fullest. Mr. Dan Butner, so good to see you again, my friend. Good to be seen, my friend. 
This book is fantastic. I can't wait to dive into this. I mean, you really have taken everything that the Blue Zones have to offer and condensed it down into four weeks, which I think is something that really anybody can commit to. But I think that this is even these four weeks. I mean, you've simplified it so much that people can even take it beyond that and really make this a, a lifelong approach. But before we get into the book, before we get into the book, it's been a long time since you've been on the show. So can you give us just a quick refresher on what the Blue Zones are and where they are currently in the world? Yeah, the idea was to, in a sense, reverse engineer longevity. So we know that only about 20% of how long you live is dictated by your genes. The other 80% is something else. So working uh, with a grant from the National Institutes on Aging and under the aegis of National Geographic, an assignment, we set out to find the statistically longest lived areas. We worked with demographers and that took three years. Uh, we found the longest lived men in, in Sardinia, Italy, the longest lived women in Okinawa, Japan, a population in Greece on the island of Ikaria that lives about eight years longer than the rest of us, largely without dementia. Uh, in the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica, uh, we found a people who spend a th about one fifteenth the amount we do on healthcare, and they have about a twofold better chance of reaching a healthy age ninety-five than Americans do. Go figure. And then in the United States, it's among the Seventh-day Adventists where we found populations that uh, were living as as much as ten years longer than their North American counterparts. And once we identify these places that have achieved the outcome that we want, then the goal was to find the common denominators. And we used established methodologies, epidemiology, anthropology, uh, medical research to find out what, what's correlating, what, what seems to be a driving longevity in these places. And remarkably, no matter where you go, um, you see the same patterns over and over again. And we identified nine of them. And um, that, that's the concept behind the blue zones. This show, uh, the exam room here, is so nutrition focused. Uh, with those traits that you were talking about, those those nine things, how big of a role is nutrition in in that? It's huge. Um, you know, the longest lived people in the world eat largely a whole food, plant based diet, uh, somewhere between ninety and hundred uh, percent whole food, plant based. And uh, we and you know they have traditionally eaten some pork and some cheese, uh, but not the industrially uh, raised uh, animals that we see in America. And we don't know if they've lived a long time because they ate a little meat and cheese or in spite of it. We just don't know. But we do know that when you take the example of say Okinawa, Japan, uh, produced the longest lived humans in the history of the world. Their diet was about 95% whole food plant-based, I'm sorry, 98% whole food plant-based until about 1990 when American influences came. Um, so the approach we take at Blue Zones is uh, we advocate only 100% whole food plant-based. Uh, we know that outside your Blue Zone life, you might do other things. But um, when it comes to living a long time, that's clearly a huge contributor to life expectancy. I'm guessing if you're eating a whole food plant-based diet, you're middle age, uh, you'll probably live six to eight years longer than if your counterpart who's eating a standard American diet. 
that's uh, that's a significant time. So we're talking about six to eight years of life there. But what's the quality of life? You mentioned like what I think you said just a very little bit of dementia in one particular region. But you know what what's the quality of life and disease rates in terms of um, in terms of Alzheimer's, in terms of cancer, and all of these other chronic diseases that so plague us here in the U.S. Yeah. The important thing to realize about people in blue zones is they, they don't have any genetic superiority. Their bodies have the same capacity that our bodies do. Um, but what the reason they're living a long, is be, long time is because they are avoiding the diseases that foreshorten our lives, like heart disease, diabetes, type 2 diabetes mostly, uh, several types of cancer, mostly of the GI tract, uh, and dementia. And a big reason they're living so long is they're they're um and avoiding these diseases because they are eating a basically a whole food plant-based diet uh you look at some places like um okinawa women there suffer about one-sixth the rate of breast cancer that we do in the united states about a fifth the rate of heart disease uh in ikaria greece they have about one-tenth the rate of dementia we have here um so it's pretty clear that the the path to this longer life is through less disease, which at the end of the day is what we all want, especially since in America right now, we're spending about 85% of our $3.7 trillion annual healthcare budget on avoidable diseases. So um, the biggest driver of these avoidable diseases is the crappy way we're eating. Well, that sums it up nicely, the crappy way that we're eating. Um, you know, it's funny, I was going to ask you so about the, the quality of life here. So fewer diseases, it's not exactly as though those extra six to eight years are going to be spent in a in a hospital bed with around the clock care and, you know, questioning, is this really how I want to live my life? Do I even want to be here? That's a fair question that a lot of people ask when they're bedridden. But it sounds to me like until their last days, what you're describing, these are still very much healthy active people for their age. Yes. So in America, we, we suffer about uh, three years of morbidity, which are the bad disabled years at the end of our lives. And in blue zones, that morbidity period is compressed to about a year. So they're not even, they're not only living longer lives, they're leading better lives and they're leaving a lot more money left over at the end. We spend about 90% of our lifelong healthcare dollars during the last few years of our lives. Uh, and the fact that these, for the most part, these last years are disease free and in blue zones and could be in your life, by the way, um, not only has enormous quality of life ramifications, but economic ramifications. People say all the time, well, I don't want to live to 100. But if you look at the cohort of Americans who die at 60, you find that they're suffering about eight years of this morbidity, largely because um, they probably led very unhealthy lives. Um, and people who leave, lead he healthy lives, they not only have a better chance to uh, make it to a healthy age 90 or 95, but the, the vast majority of those years should be good years, and they die very quickly then. All right, let me let me push pause and come back to this. So I'm not sure that I want to live to 100, somebody says. And then you look at the people who died at 60, but you said that there were about eight years of a significant decline in terms of their health. 
I mean, that that to me is, I mean, that's that's mind blowing. Eight years of decline and still only reaching 60 years old. You got to kind of be scratching your head and be like, well, what is that person really doing to put themselves in that kind of situation? Well, there are often people who get involved with drugs or alcoholic or who eat catastrophically bad diets. Um, the, the reason they're dying at 60 is because they've they've had the misfortune of either being born in very unhealthy environments or they they're you know to the extent that we think that we actually have conscious control over our food decisions um they've been you know eating a really bad diet or smoking too much but the point being is the longer you live the healthier you've been so everybody listening right now you want to live to 100 there you go. There you go. You want to live to 100. I think that that's the goal. I My father-in-law just moved in with my wife and I, and uh, his wife, my mother-in-law, unfortunately, is, is suffering from Alzheimer's. He's in a much healthier position. He has repeatedly stated that his goal is to make it to 100, um, especially living in, in this house. Uh, I don't see any reason why he, why he can't make it there. Um, but you talk about catastrophically bad diets, right? I think that there are a lot of people um, eating that standard American diet who have no idea the type of damage it is that they may be doing to their body. Um, if you were to rate on a scale of one to 10, just how different the standard American diet is versus the diets that you encountered when you were studying these various regions, how different do you think that they, they really are there? I would say they are seven, just 70% different, just pulling a number out of my head. So here's what people are eating in Blue Zone. So we did, I wrote another book uh, called The Blue Zone Solution. And there was also an article, I wrote an article for National Geographic Magazine about the diets of longevity. So in addition to being whole food plant-based, the pillars of every longevity diet in the world are whole grains, rice, wheat, and corn. Um, greens, 60 or 70 kinds of greens, tubers like sweet potatoes, purple sweet potatoes made up about 70% of the Okinawan diet, uh, traditionally speaking, uh, nuts, nuts are snacks, and then beans. And beans are the cornerstone of every longevity diet in the world. And uh, they eat, if you're eating about a cup of beans a day, it's probably worth four years of extra life expectancy. Uh, meanwhile, Americans down about 200 pounds of meat a year, um, the, a couple hundred pounds of dairy over time. Um, uh, on average, we're eat, uh, consuming about 27 teaspoons of sugar a day. Much of it's sort of hidden in our food. And there are so many artificial flavorings and artificial sweeteners and emulsifiers and these other uh, inorganic compounds that, that um, uh, mimic fat that just keep our body in a constant state of uncertainty and craving. And we, our, our craving is never completely satiated because we just eat uh, this fatty, uh, rich, artificially enhanced food. And in blue zones, they're eating food that we've evolved with, the human species evolved with over the past 10, 12,000 years. And uh, our bodies recognize it even before we chew it and swallow it. They know the sight and they know the smell and our bodies react in a predictable way. So there's less craving 
and um, more satiation and the better taste too. I, mean, I wrote another book called The Blue Zone Kitchen that captured a hundred recipes from these blue zones. Uh, and, um, you know, they have, they have the benefit of 200 years of observed, uh, cooking of, of women in kitchens doing trial and error with very simple peasant food with herbs and spices and a little bit of oil. And, um, the, the most important ingredient in any longevity diet is taste. So they know how to make these simple whole food, plant-based um, uh, ingredients taste delicious. And that is the killer combination, or I should say the opposite, the living combination. <laughs> um, one of the things that I really like, and it's actually close to the uh, the beginning of the book, you do you go around the, the various blue zone regions, there we go, and you have these beautiful pie charts uh, that lay out what the diets in these regions look like for the centenarians. One thing that you really don't see a whole lot of room for on here are processed foods. How how many uh how much of these diets were comprised of processed foods? I know that you said primarily whole food plant based, but are there really any ultra processed foods that are are being regularly consumed here? See the the complexity of trying to sum this up. If you want to know what a centenarian ate to live to be a hundred, you have to know what they ate when they were, you know, a, a child and a teenager and a young adult, middle age, newly retired, et cetera. And, you know, for most of the last 200 years, there were, there were no ultra processed foods, very low meat. But since about the year 2000, as uh, globalization and American dietary influences uh, creep in, uh, you start to see the Doritos and the Coke, Coca-Colas and, uh, you know, spam arrived in Okinawa in a pretty catastrophic way. And um, so they, you know, they start their, they watch the same advertisements we do online and on TV and they, the distribution channels are reaching the blue zone. So they start eating the same uh, horrible food that Americans are confronted with day in and day out. And, and their health spirals predictably down the toilet. Uh, and their and their life expectancies goes you know goes down as well. So if you talk about the traditional uh, diets of these places, no very low meat, very low cheese, and no ultra processed foods. Um, but it, it's increasingly starting to look like the diet that you know people in Florida or Washington D.C. or California eat. Uh, did you said that spam had a big impact in, in Okinawa? Is, is did I hear that correctly? Yes, yes. Well, of all the foods that I would think would have an impact, that seems like a, a pretty obscure one. Why, 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 why spam, Dan? Well, we have a we have a huge U.S. military presence in Okinawa, one of the biggest bases, and they brought spam. It, it was in the K rations ever since World War II, and. Um, Remember, during World War II, Okinawans were starving. I mean, they we we would pummel the heck out of them, and um, and for four years, and then all of a sudden, this this uh, really rich, calorically dense food shows up, um, and introduced by the by the GIs, and and they loved it. I mean, you know, we are genetically hardwired to crave sugar and salt and fat, and you you know you get this fat and salt bomb and it 
tastes pretty good when you've been going hungry. And so they've incorporated it in their dishes uh, in small amounts. But nevertheless, it's, it's, you know, continues to grow. And at the same time, so do, do the waistlines of Okinawans and uh, the uh, diabetes rate. And, um, you know, it's kind of a catastrophe because when we started doing this research in Okinawa in 1999, they were the longest lived people in the history of the human race. And now they are the most unhealthy people in all of, all of Japan. So um, that's... Um, that's 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 what uh, progress is wrought. I mean, so just to see that, what twenty-two years? I mean, you who's devoted his life to researching this, that has to be almost heartbreaking to you to see such a transformation in such a short period of time. It is sad. It is sad. I mean, it's no worse than looking at Detroit or you know a, a big American food desert. But yeah, I mean, they had. They were a living museum, a living example of demographically confirmed area where people were making it to 100, the highest known rates in the world with the lowest rates of, of, of uh, uh, non-infectious disease, chronic disease. And um, they've lost it. They've, they've hmm. lost it, not consciously. It's, it happens insidiously. It's like, um, you know, throwing a frog and leap lukewarm water and turning up the temperature one degree at a time frog eventually you know boils to death and that's sort of what happened in okinawa they don't it wasn't like overnight they they started eating doritos and coke and 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 burger king it just just crept in over the last 25 years or so and prior to that influx of unhealthy food, what was the rate that people were living to be 100 there? Among women ages 60 and above, about 20 times more female centenarians you would expect to see in that cohort than you would in, in America. Yeah. So they have um, the life expectancy was almost 10 years greater than the U.S. Wow. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, they they were really all stars. I mean, ten years is enormous. Mm, no, I mean, uh, the, the whole yeah. the whole you put it in context. The whole COVID pandemic, which our our hair's on fire about that right now, has only lowered the life expectancy of Americans by one year. So now imagine a population that's living ten years longer than us. It's it's just staggering. Boy, yeah, you put it in those terms. I mean, that really does give you a lot to think about. Um, I got to ask you though, about these sweet potatoes, the purple sweet potatoes, like what is it about these sweet potatoes that, that makes them so doggone healthy? Well, whether the, okay, very high source of complex carbohydrates, some protein, um, you know, the, the purple, the, their sweet potatoes, they're known as emo, IMO. And that the purple in sweet potatoes is the same purple you see in blueberries. It's a it's a, um, uh, it's a powerful antioxidant. And sweet potatoes have 150% more than blueberries do, similar weight amounts. But mostly, it's you know they weren't they weren't shopping for longevity. They they were just eating the foods that were available to them. And typhoons come through Okinawa. Uh, two, three times a year, and they tend to wipe out terrestrial plants. But the sweet potatoes, which were, uh, it's a root vegetable, 
they could survive the typhoon. So as a result, you know, they, they grew easily and um, abundantly and they survived typhoons. And, you know, they, Okinawans came up with lots of clever, delicious recipes for them. And um, so it becomes a really popular uh, food. It's not because they were eating them because, oh, I'm going to eat these potatoes and live to 100. They, they had no idea. <laughs> Fair to say that they are, though, more nutrient-dense than the orange sweet potatoes that we're accustomed to here? I don't really know. I, I would – I would, I if, if you can eat the sweet potatoes, I think, are the closest thing to a superfood there is. Gotcha. Okay. Well, hey, man, I, I like them. And uh, the good news is you don't have to live in Japan uh, to get your That's hands right. on a good old super uh, purple sweet potato. Yeah, there uh, may be some more antioxidants in the Japanese version, but but uh, don't knock yourself out looking for purple sweet potatoes when you can find the uh, the regular ones at your grocery store. Let me ask you about uh, nuts here uh, because there is I'm a old. good – <laughs> Count me as one as well, my man. Um, there, there is a good segment of our audience here who very much prescribes themselves to a, a whole food, low fat, plant based diet. And nuts, obviously, high in fat. But you advocate in this book uh, for consuming nuts. So, what, what is the balance there? Is it just have to do with a healthier uh, source of fat than, say, your McDonald's hamburger? Yeah, you know, I did not find um, among the longest-lived people. I did not find a low-fat diet. Um, in fact, uh, we did a follow-up study in Ikaria, uh, and uh, five-year survival rate for a cohort of people over sixty-five, and we found the lowest mortality rates among the people who were eating the most olive oil or consuming the most olive oil. So. I um, imagine if you're overweight already, lowering your fat consumption is probably good. But, um, you know, I, I'm not a – well, I haven't observed low fat equating to higher life expectancy among populations who actually live longer. Um, also, they don't eat a lot of nuts, so they're not going to tuck into a pound of nuts and eat them all. It's a handful a day. And epidemiology – supports this that people eating a handful of nuts are living about two years longer than people are who are not eating nuts at all and it's a correlation it's it's not it's not a cause causal relationship but you know i think for most people uh out there who want to be uh healthy and live long and and also want to be able to treat themselves right away once in a while with the with the snack of course piece of fruit might be better but um from my research, a handful of nuts is probably not a bad idea either. Qualifier, though, you're not talking about going out and grabbing a bag of honey-roasted cashews, correct? No, but I'm talking about salted nuts. Salted yeah. Nuts. yeah. So you see a lot of almonds. You'll see um, hazelnuts. You'll see uh, soybeans, which I guess mm -hmm. is a boom, not technically a nut. Um, so... Yeah, nuts. The Adventists eat all kinds of nuts, and Adventists are living seven to ten years longer than the rest of us. So, let's I mean, uh, switch. Let's switch gears here and and shift away from nutrition for a little bit. Another thing that you you cover in the book is um, limiting screen time. I think that you you say maybe an hour or less per day. 
Um, as we live our lives currently, that just seems like an almost impossible feat. I mean, how, how would you recommend going about doing that? And, and what is the importance of literally just unplugging yourself from the digital world? Well, there's a high correlation between how much TV you watch and what you, how, what your BMI. So, um, and the amount of TV you watch is often a function of how many screens you have in your house. So I, I have no problem with people watching uh, TV as some mental repose or as a, a um, entertainment at the end of the day. But um, we know if you're sitting in front of a TV as you're eating, you're going to consume more mindless calories. Cornell University um, established that. Uh, I did a uh, survey with National Geographic correlating TV time to screen time to happiness. And we found that people who spend an between 45 minutes and an hour a day seem to be most likely to be the among the happiest people. But after an hour a day, it drops. And the least happy people are watching TV about eight hours a day. So the easiest way to uh, limit TV time is to limit the number of screens in your house. So, you know, ideally one screen, you know, in, in a living room or something, ideally behind doors. So you have to you know, woefully open it up as opposed to having it on all the time. And moreover, TVs often have commercials and, you know, the commercials aren't for beans and broccoli. Commercials are for Doritos and Coke. So that influences us. The the reason that run all the time is because they work. Oh, man. Yeah. Tell me about it. Advertising is the bane of our existence. Uh, I mean, you can't watch a game. You can't watch hardly anything without seeing, you know, splashy ads for every fast food known to man. Uh, what's the latest and greatest high calorie meal at your local restaurant, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's just really a recipe for uh, a unhealthy disaster. Um Let's let's talk about the the actual challenge part here. You've taken a lot of the components, as I understand it, of these centenarian diets, these blue zone diets, and you've kind of boiled them down and you've almost made it into a game for people to see, you know, how closely I can get to these diets myself. Um, and you went so far as to assign points to them. I mean, how did you come up with this concept? I think it's really quite brilliant and something that everybody is able to grasp. I'll take brilliant. <laughs> so, you know, my business for the last 10 years, we get hired by cities to lower the obesity rate and uh, get them to go more plant-based, get them to move more. And we do this by not harassing people and not cajoling them and not incenting them and, you know, not, not uh, quote unquote, educating them. Uh, we do it by by shaping their environment so the healthy choice is the easy choice. And this is something we take directly from Blue Zones. In, in these five places in the world where people live a long time, it's not because they have better discipline or they're more enlightened or more self-control or better sense of individual responsibility as uh, politicians like to wag their fingers at or as, you know, Coca-Cola likes to say, that, you know, drink our drinking our product or not drinking our product is a matter of individual responsibility, not a matter of your health. Um, so the whole blue zone challenge takes what we've done in cities and, and distills it down for the individual. It, it is a 30 or so evidence-based way, ways to set up your social life, your home life, your work life, and to a certain extent your inner life so that they, healthy choice is the easy choice. So 
I'm not trying to convince you to remember to do something every day or have heroic discipline. Uh, we do believe that a whole food plant-based diet offers immediate results. Um, within a day, you should feel more energy. Within five days, uh, your digestive system should move along more smoothly. Uh, if you have skin issues, within about two weeks, your skin issues should start to clear up several types of skin issues. Your, your mortality rate drop your, your drops by, uh, your chances of death drop by about 10% in three weeks. And by the end of the four week period, you should, if you have weight issues, you should lose between five and eight pounds. Uh, but that's not achieved by asking you to uh, remember to do something all the time. We, we do, um, uh, we do introduce uh, the ecosystem uh, of healthier living and ask you to set that up in your home and the rest of your life. And then you can forget about it. And I, that's, what's worked very well in cities and Fort Worth, Texas, we help lower obesity rates by 6% and, uh, certain parts of Los Angeles, we lowered obesity rates by 15%. And, uh, we're, we're taking these same environmental insights and apply them to your life. And that's the, that's the idea behind the blue zones challenge. And I think sustainability in terms of making these changes is key. As you and I were talking before the interview began, you know, New Year's is coming around and it's, I mean, if if you make it to February and you're still sticking with your resolutions, you're doing better than most. Um, but the changes that you're talking about making in this book during the four-week plan, are these the kinds of changes that can carry with you well past just this four-week window and into the future? Absolutely. So these are things like, um, you know, you know, we if you have one person who takes who keeps a toaster on their counter and another one who takes it off within six years, I'm sorry, within two years, the person without the toaster, uh, which should weigh about six pounds less, uh, because toasters remind us to put something in them. And what we put in toasters usually isn't all that healthy. And it's often, you know, somewhat processed and sweet. Um, having a junk food drawer. A lot of us are going to bring junk food into our houses. We don't mean to, but we do. Uh, putting it out of the way, we consume it a lot less than if we put a chip on, on a clip on the bag of chips or whatever and leave it on the counter. Um, taking the TV screen out of the kitchen. Um, having a, making sure you own comfortable walking shoes. If you own comfortable walking shoes, you're mo way more likely to walk. There, it's a sort of a 30 or 40 things that you can set up in your, in your life, your home life, so that uh, you don't have to think about it anymore. The healthy choice becomes the automatic choice. And um, when it comes to longevity, there's no short-term fix. There's no pill or supplement or superfood that's going to reverse stop, or even slow aging. Um, the things that work are the things we're going to do for years or decades, which is why we focus on reshaping your environment. And my final question to you is this, since you've been studying these blue zones and really become an expert on longevity, how has your diet evolved over that time? Well, I was uh, a meat eater when I started. I don't eat meat anymore. Uh, <laughs> cut it out. I don't eat I don't eat, um, uh, avoid processed foods, uh, more and more I'm finding processed foods is probably a, a, almost as big a culprit as, as meat and driving 
uh, our health problems. Um, my kids call me the king of beans because I eat <laughs> all the time. I eat beans for breakfast. I'm, I have a minestrone recipe that I found in Sardinia uh, that I make uh, make a huge pot of it every week. And I, I, I basically eat that for start my day with it every day. So, um, yes. And, you know, I because I've been able to live in these blue zones, I picked up a lot of recipes and I incorporated them in my life. And uh, yeah, I mean, Dan Butner, you, you, sir, are doing a lot of good in the world. Uh, the new book is The Blue Zones Challenge, a four-week plan for a longer, better life. Everybody pick it up. There's a link to do so right now in the show description or in the episode notes. My friend, congratulations on the release of the book. I think that it is absolutely fantastic, and I wish you nothing but the best. And please continue to do this research. It is absolutely amazing. Thank you for that. I, I really appreciate the opportunity, Chuck. And if people have questions, if they uh, direct message me at Dan Butner, I'm very good about answering them. I love interacting with people and I uh, appreciate you taking the time. A huge fan and supporter of uh, PCRM and you guys are doing some of the best work out there. And I'm honored to be part of this uh, part of the conversation. Oh, you are welcome back anytime. Uh, I'm sure people are wondering right now. So at Dan Butner, is that good for Twitter and Instagram? Yeah, just Instagram. Instagram it is. All right. At Dan Butner on Instagram. There's a link to that in the show description as well. Dan, you are the man. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Chuck. Good seeing you again. If there is a more obvious sign that the standard high fat fast food diet can really jack up your health, there's a more obvious sign than what happened with Okinawa? I would love to know what that could be. Because it is like junk food came in and then health hopped on the first flight out of there, man. It was gone, Jack. You want even more evidence? Well, how about a recent study from the British medical journal Global Health? And for details on that, we head to the exam room news desk. Researchers say they have evidence that a sharp rise in preventable disease in certain countries is tied directly to the consumption of red and processed meat. An analysis of data from 154 countries shows a spike in diet-driven disease in places where the so-called meat trade began to boom and consumers in turn began eating more meat. Evidence there reveals an often substantial rise in the number of deaths from colorectal cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. Researchers say northern and eastern European countries, as well as certain island nations in the Caribbean, are being hit the hardest. Now, the rates of disease were tracked over a 25-year span that began in 1993. And researchers, they were pretty specific about what they classified as red meat for this analysis. Their category included beef, lamb, goat, and pork. But you could say, well, pork isn't exactly a red meat, is it right? Isn't it more whitish? Well, here's why this is important. Because their classification of red meat also specifically excludes poultry, fish, and eggs. It also excludes processed meat since that has its own distinction. And that definition for processed meat, well, that includes red meat products that were preserved by smoking, salting, curing, or with chemical preservatives. And they say that they were primarily from beef and pork. 
And you can find a link to the study right now in the episode notes. So all of these diseases are preventable diseases. It simply does not have to be that way. And you know, something else that Dan said that really stuck with me is how big of a difference that beans can make in your health. Instead of studies showing where red and processed meat can take years off of your life, Dan was talking about studies showing that eating just one cup of beans a day can add years to your life, years. Is there a good chance that there's more to it than just the beans? Well, sure, but if you're eating healthfully, a diet that includes beans, and you follow the practices of the cultures living in the blue zones, you are giving yourself the best shot at blowing out 100 candles on a very big birthday. And I will tell you what, if I'm fortunate enough to live to see August 28th, 2082, we're all gonna have one big party. Everyone is going to be invited. Now, remember also what Dan said, because it echoes what so many of the doctors and researchers have said on this very program. He said that genes only play a small role in the grand scheme of things. It is you who is behind the wheel of your health. It is you who has the control to steer your body in a healthy direction or take a turn down the sick superhighway. And Dan's book, The Blue Zones Challenge, that book is like the fuel that can start up your car and get you going. And you better believe that there's a link to it in the episode notes. And for today, that's going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you once again to Mr. Blue Zones, Dan Butner, for being here with us. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.